want to welcome everyone to tonight's study of the book of Revelation. We'll be in chapter number nine, starting in verse number 12 tonight, picking up where we left off last week. We've been looking at the different trumpet blasts and the judgments that are going to befall the earth as each trumpet blasts. We saw the first four trumpet blasts that fell upon the earth. They fell upon nature specifically, not saying that man was not affected, but they were primarily targeting things in nature. They were horrifying, catastrophic, uh, castro- I can't even say the word tonight, terrible disasters and events that befell the earth. Um, a third of the vegetation was destroyed, a third of the water and sea life. Uh, shipping and fin- uh, fishing industries and commerce around the world is going to be greatly affected. We see that these befell primarily nature. But the last three of the trumpets, which we're going to look at one of those tonight, are directed directly towards people against the unsaved in the, of the earth at that particular time. And millions will be affected and destroyed. Um, literally, they're going to reap what they have sown. The last three, three trumpets are also called the woe judgments because there's no other word that properly describes it. The first woe judgment was what we looked at last week. It was the, the blast of the demonic plague-like, plague of locust-like demons that uh, came into the world and began to kill and begin to, to injure and to hurt people. And tonight we're going to look at that next woe judgment in verse number 12 of chapter number nine of revelation it says one woe is past and behold there come two woes more hereafter this is the description of the catastrophic events that are taking place at this time the great tribulation is coming upon the earth and it it will be such a terrible time that it can only be described as a period of woe verse number 13 and the sixth angel sounded And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. So we see that a command is there to let loose And that command comes from the golden altar. God launches this judgment, especially to vindicate those millions who were slaughtered. Remember, they're the ones that are under the altar and around the altar. They're the ones that were slaughtered by the Holocaust, the Antichrist. And they're the ones now who are calling for justice. If you remember back when we studied, that was their cry. Their cry was for justice. And now God is going to give them that. God is going to be perfectly just. He's going to execute perfect judgment upon them. These four angels or or demons that are released are uh, bound at the great river Euphrates. Um, The four fallen angels are specific angels. These are angels that were placed there for this reason. These are ones that will be, um, we'll see in a few moments that, that they are high ranking military type of angels that have been prepared for this. Now, the question oftentimes asked is, why would the angels come out of the Euphrates? And, and there's not a real good answer for that in the, in the scripture. Um, Euphrates is one of the earliest rivers mentioned um, with the head of it coming from the, uh, the Garden of Eden back in the book of Genesis. Now, we know that the earth has been transformed greatly since then, primarily because 
of the flood of, of Noah's time, but yet this river is still there. It's still named. And, and so maybe that has some significance to it. Um, it's also the Euphrates was also listed when um, the promised land was promised to Abraham by God. It was the, uh, the boundary. One of the Western boundaries was the Euphrates River. So the Euphrates has had some significance in the word of God. Um, I'm not sure exactly why they are bound there other than that part of the world, like I said, with the Garden of Eden and all, is where everything started. And so it kind of makes sense that, that this wrath from God would also start there. The four fallen angels were, were loosed and, and they were prepared to execute judgment upon the earth. Um, they're there to slay a third of the ungodly and evil population of the world. And, and don't forget why. These are the people who have had opportunity to repent, but instead they've chosen to follow the Antichrist. These are people who didn't just sit back and watch, but have actively participated in the, the destroying and the, in the killing of Christians on the earth at that time. Um, even today, there are groups that, that persecute Christians. In almost every country, there is a, a certain um, group that persecutes Christians, but, but it's not the entire world that persecutes Christians. In this particular time, it will be the entire world with the one world government uh, the one world religion, it'll all be focused upon persecuting and killing Christians. These are the people that this judgment is falling upon. Notice that God has set the time for this. He tells us that he set a time. There's a, there's a, a particular year, there's a particular month, there's a particular day, a particular, even a particular hour that this judgment is to fall. This isn't something that just happens by happenstance. This isn't something that's waiting for the next brick to fall into place. This is something that has a planned and an exact time. And God is the one that knows that time and knows that plan. He's the one that, that controls them. He's the one that has placed them there. And he is the one who will pour out this woe judgment upon the earth. Verse number 16. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone and the head of the horses were as the head of lions and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these things was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths for their power is in their mouth and in their tails for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads and with them they do hurt so we see these these angels come out and they they lead out a a huge military um a huge army a, an army larger than than any army that we've ever seen upon the earth before um i was looking at at some of the armies in the earth and and most people know that the largest as far as persons in the military goes the largest army on the earth is the chinese army and the United States is second. I think India is third. Um, the Chinese army is estimated to be just over 2 million people. This is over, two, this is over 200, 200 million people uh, or 200 million demons or whatever these things are that are coming out. This is, you know, it's going to pale any army that we've ever seen. The, the number is almost unimaginable to even to, to John as he's describing this here. It'll, it'll be this huge, amazing army that will be led by these four fallen angels. Uh, they'll command it. It'll be an army with destructive power like nobody's ever seen before. Uh, it describes the riders a little bit. It says they're, 
their breastplates are, uh, though they have breastplates. And normally when we see that breastplate in the, in the Bible, whether it's talking about the breastplate that, that Christians are to wear or the breastplate that a demon wears it, or these soldiers that wear, it's always talking about the protection. It means something that's in, impenetrable. It's not just a covering of the chest, but it's symbolic of the fact that nothing can, can penetrate them. Nothing can hurt them. Nothing can destroy them. And it gives a little bit of of a uh, uh, um, description of those and one of them it says that it has the adjacent stone in it and this is something that if if anybody has an answer for this i'd love to hear it or some type of speculation but i can't i can't find this the significance of why it's it's jacinth whether it's actually jason stone or it's the color jacinth it may just be the color of jacinth and and john is just describing it that way uh, jason stone is typically a um an orangish stone, although they can be black sometimes, and there are some varieties of them that are actually blue, but most of them are, are an orange or almost a red color, uh, like a burnt orange color. So it may just be the coloring of their breastplates or the coloring of, of them that John is trying to describe here. I couldn't find a significance. Typically, adjacent stone is um, symbolic of, of health and, and uh, medical things. Um, which I don't know how that would apply in this situation. So I don't know if it's the actual stone or if it's just talking about the color here, but nevertheless, they'll have these breastplates and we understand the symbolism of a breastplate and that is that, that they are undefeatable. The horses will be horrible um, and, and you know, they'll add terror upon terror um, just by their description that John is giving to us. And understand this is the the description that John is trying his best to, to share with us with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so he's trying his best to describe what it is that he's seeing here. And he says they have heads like lions. Um, there's probably not a more ferocious beast than a lion the, with the fierce devouring, the, that, that cruel consuming, the, you know, the, the mouth of a, of a lion is something that is terrifying. Their mouth of a lion is huge. If you've ever seen one up close, like in a zoo or someplace, People are usually amazed at how big they are. They, you know, they're, they're larger. They could easily put a, a, a person's head and part of his torso in their mouth. Um, it says their mouths will also spit out fire. Um, a hellish, fiery nature uh, comes out of their mouth. That, whether that means literal fire or if that means vengeful, angry, wrathful nature isn't clear here. It sounds to me like it's actual fire that comes out um, of their mouths. And it says they will, they'll kill a third of the ungodly and evil upon the earth. Um, and how they do that by, by the plague of fire and smoke and brimstone. Um, you know, there was a time when this was unimaginable, but today we have, we have weapons. And, and by the way, I'm not saying this is man-made, uh, but we have weapons that are very similar to this with, with nuclear weapons and things where it's the fire and the smoke that kills people when, they, when those things are set off. So this isn't unimaginable to us. It's uh, within the realm of, of even our understanding today, but still it, it's beyond anything that we've ever seen, beyond anything that we've ever experienced before. It says their power is in their mouth and their head and their tails. The head in the Bible symbolizes intelligence. So these are going to be intelligent beings. These aren't going to just be drones. These are going to be intelligent thinking beings. They're going to be able to hunt people down and, and make plans. These are Their mouth symbolizes their their uh, hunger and their uh, possibly even their divisive speech that they'll use in order to do that. Their uh, a mouth is also symbolic of a consume uh, the desire to consume things, uh, to eat things, and their serpent-like tails, um, poisonous strikes. Um, they'll be like serpents. Their tails are like serpents with poisonous strikes in them. Uh, 
the picture of the the great tribulation is is a picture picture of horror upon horror upon horror you know we're we're kind of taking this in, in small bite-sized pieces as we go through this we're looking at one piece and then another piece and another piece but can you imagine for a moment living through these things where there's one horror after another after another for natural disaster you know we we see this week that uh, another hurricane hit louisiana for many of you that have been around this part of the of Florida for a long time. You, you remember back a few years back where we had three hurricanes that, that kind of crossed right on top of us. Not, not all at the same time, of course, but, but they, they came across. And, and it got to the point that year where it just seemed like that hurricane season was never going to end because as soon as you start to get traction and start to rebuild from one, the next hurricane would come through. And it, it wasn't bad enough that it was another hurricane, but each hurricane was different. One was, was you know fast with strong winds. Another one was slow and just dumped water all over the place. And it just you know, we had that that feeling like it was never going to end. That's nothing compared to what they were going to be going through at this point in the tribulation. They're going to have one horror after another horror after another horror. The the feeling of depression must be so great at that particular time. That feeling of helplessness must be so great at that time. There's a purpose for this. Verse number 20. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood which neither can see nor hear nor walk neither repented they of their murders nor their sorceries nor their fornications nor their thefts so there's a point here to all this this isn't just God pouring his wrath, as we've seen several times going through this, there's the opportunity for them to repent. In order for the Bible, in order for God to tell us here that they are not repenting, it means they have to have that choice to repent, just as we have that opportunity to repent today. And here they are choosing not to repent. This just, it, it just shows the depth of their depravity. It shows the, their depth of their hatefulness for God. Because even with all these things going on, even with horror after horror after horror, they still refuse to turn. They still refuse to repent and turn to, to Jesus Christ. Given every opportunity to do that, after every judgment, there's an opportunity to repent, and they still will not repent. The ungodly and evil of this world, this earth, refuse to repent. Two-thirds of the population will survive. A third is being killed, but two-thirds are still there and two-thirds refused to repent. There will be several sins that are mentioned here. Uh, their, their following of idols is mentioned here. Um, there's going to be an increase in that time, and we're seeing that today, an increase in following, of, in following idols and worshiping things that, that aren't real, where they worship nature and, and creation instead of worshiping the creator. And we see that happening today. Um, the worship of evil spirits and the, the worship of idols. We just a couple doors down from where I'm at right now for years, we had a, a Santeria temple and the Santeria temple. It's exactly what it is. They, it's demonic worship. They sacrifice animals to their demon gods. And it looks like, fortunately, it looks like they've pulled out. It looks like they've moved. I don't know where they went. Um, if they went back up to Orlando or where they went, but they, it looks like they've pulled out of here. Understand God hates idolatry. Our God is a jealous God, and he hates idolatry, and he, he tells us over and over in his word to stay away from these things. In 1 Corinthians 10, 20, he says, but I say 
that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice the devils and not to God. And I would not that you would have fellowship with devils. Understand, you know, the world will tell you that, and even some Christians will tell you that, you know, there's not a big difference between one brand of Christianity and another brand of Christianity, and another brand. But understand the Bible is very clear. You're either following Christ or you're following Satan. There's not a lot of gray area in the middle. There is no fence to sit on. And we have a lot of people that want to sit on a proverbial fence, but that, that fence doesn't exist. You're either following God and Jesus Christ, or you're following Satan. There is no middle ground in there. There's nothing else. And as Christians, we need to understand that. I, I've had people, uh, so many times I can't even count, when they'll talk about somebody in another state or another place uh, about their, their religious walk, or about their walk with Christ, I'll say something to them, and they'll say, I'll say, well, where do they go to church? And they'll say, well, they're, they're going to the Mormon church, and and uh, I'm just glad they're going someplace. Well, no, Mormonism won't introduce you to Jesus Christ. Catholicism won't introduce you to Jesus Christ. Jehovah's Witnesses won't introduce you to Jesus Christ. Islam won't introduce you into Jesus Christ. Now, each one of these has positive aspects to it. Um, you know, the, the Mormon church, they have some great family uh, values, but those family values won't lead you to Jesus Christ. And it may look good, but what they're actually doing is they're sacrificing to devils. They're not sacrificing to God. And we need a better understanding of that, that there's a, a, a clear line between serving Jesus Christ and serving anything else. And anything else is actually one thing. It's actually Satan. Very few, by the way, understand and, and know that they, they worship Satan. But nevertheless, that is the, the reality of it. Um, I usually view them as prisoners of war. If you've studied anything with, with wartime prisoners, oftentimes the prisoners will become friends with the guards and, and friend may be a strong word, but they'll begin to sympathize with the, with the same things that the guards sympathize with because they're in their, in their culture and they're around them the entire time. And it's a, a thing that takes place in their mind and their heart to where they start to believe that this evil person actually is their savior or is actually the one that is looking out for them because they're bringing them food every day or they're bringing them some type of care or, or little acts of kindness and they begin to turn to this person as their savior or as their keeper and we've seen that over and over again of people that have been in prison for a long period of time or in hostage situations some of you older people my age and older may remember patty hurst and what took place there uh, where she began to sympathize with her uh with her captors to the point that that she began serving with them and robbing banks with them now i know there's a lot of a lot of debate about the reality of that but but that was that's the the um, the most accepted story involved in that situation and we're going to see that these people are doing the same thing then that they're doing now they're they're taking what they're they're turning to satan as their savior and they've become so ingrained, they become so much a follower that they're refusing to give up their idols, even for to turn to Jesus Christ um, at this time. I, I would a lot, imagine a lot of it will be the, a delusion that and, and uh, the hate speech that Satan will be sharing with them, telling them that if, if God really cared for them, why would he send these woe judgments upon them? Um, but this is the the recompense. This is the the results of what they have sown. They are now reaping. There'll also be an increase in the sin of murder. We've already talked about the, the Holocaust that's going to take place at that time of Christians being beheaded. Um, and again, it's not that 
Christians aren't being killed today. It's not that Christians aren't being persecuted today. Then it's going to be just an unimaginable level of slaughter in the world of those that have accepted Jesus Christ and continue to accept Jesus Christ as these things go through. Um, this is different than any Holocaust we've ever experienced in the world. Um, we look to the Holocaust. Normally when we hear the word Holocaust, our minds automatically go to Nazi Germany. And what a horrific time that was for the Jewish people, the Christian people, and other people at that time. Um, being railroaded literally in cars and taken and, and just executed by the, the, the hundreds and thousands. The difference is, is that it wasn't the entire world. This time the entire world is going to be involved in the Holocaust. This time there will be no safe haven. There will be no place to escape to. There will be no salvation coming other than them turning to Jesus Christ. There is no America and the allies. They're going to be coming eventually to rescue them. Uh, murder will be one of the great sins of the Antichrist and his followers. It is a sin for which the ungodly and evil must repent or face the terrible judgments that are coming. There will also be an increase in the sin of sorcery. Um, the Greek word for sorcery is pharmakon. It's where we also get the word pharmacy from. It implies that by the use of that word and the way we've used that word since then, it's not just talking about sorcery as we normally think about sorcery. Normally we think about witches and witchcraft and things of that nature. It will be that, but it's also to include the, the, the drug use and things that we're seeing on a rise around us, uh, taking things that God meant for good and using them for evil which is basically what sorcery is. God gave us nature as a, as a blessing and they take nature and they begin to worship nature and begin to use the powers of nature to their own benefit. And they start to change things. Um, they start to worship whether they realize it or not, they worship Satan. Um, this is why I, I am so quick to condemn uh, books and movies like Harry Potter um, I've had people tell me, you know, well, you know, Harry Potter's not, it's all fictional and it's not, it doesn't really, you know, teach people how to become witches. And I don't doubt that. I haven't read them. I don't doubt that it's not actually a formula to become a witch, but what it does is it takes something that God has declared as evil and it makes it seem like something good. And when you take something that God says is evil and tries to make, try to try to make it look like something that's good, you're being evil. And that's a bad thing. And so that's what happens with those. And we see that all around us. We see that everywhere. Uh, yesterday, the company I work for now, Orlando Health, the company I work for, at least for today, um, I don't know how much longer it'll be, but but they had a thing yesterday. They had a, a, a company-wide coming out party. Um, and everybody, anybody that would come out and, and, and declare that they were gay yesterday would get a, a mask that says pride on it. Um, there's no reason. This has nothing to do with healthcare. Why are they doing this? Because they're trying to take something that God has said is evil and that homosexuality and trying to make it into something that's positive. And the way they do parades, it's, it's ironic they call it pride when God even condemns pride, particularly pride of sinful things. But they, they still choose those words. And we see that with, with that action. We see that with, um, with drug use. So they try to make drug use a, a, a positive thing or not a positive thing, but they try to remove the stigma saying that the person doesn't really have a choice. Uh, the same thing with alcoholism. They call alcohol, alcoholism a disease. Well, if it's a disease, it's the only disease you can go to the store and buy that I'm aware of. And it's it's not a disease. It's a, it's a conscious choice that people make. Now, I, I admit some people are more prone to certain sins than other sins. That's always been the history. 
uh, and things that may entice me may not entice you. So I understand that, but still it's a conscious choice when we slip into that sin. And when we do things to make it seem more palatable, to make it seem more desirable, all we're doing is we're setting up our fellow citizens to sin. Um, Over and over, we've seen situations where people are recruited into ungodly behavior. Um, I had a counseling with a, with a kid one time because he was being groomed online to, to become a transvestite. He never thought about it, but he had men online telling him, well, go get your mom's um, clothes and, and wear those things and put those on. And, and the parents came to talk to us about that. You know, what do we do? And so we tried to give him some counseling and, and it seems as though that he's not fallen into that trap, but, but these are people that are trying to drag them down with them. Um, there'll be an increase in immorality. Um, you know, it's a, it's a broad word. It, it's, it, it's all types of sexual sins, not just uh, homosexuality, but uh, um, pedophilia, uh, uh, fornication, sex outside of marriage, um, you, you name it, bestiality, all these things they're trying to put in a positive spin now. By the way, the same argument that was used for homosexuals, that born that way argument is now being used for um, people who want to practice incest you know, adult brothers and sisters who want to get married. Um, they're using that same thing. Well, we were born this way. We were born attracted to each other. They're using that same argument um, for, for people that are attracted to children saying, well, it's not their fault. They're attracted to children. They were born attracted to children, just like homosexuals are born attracted to the same gender. And where we know it's false on one, we know it's false on all of those. There is no such thing as being born like that. Um, it, it's something that happens to us either either through a willful choice or through conditioning in our life that somebody else makes that choice for us, but it's something that's treatable. It's something that's always been treatable up until this generation. We decided instead of treating mental illness, instead of treating these sinful things and calling them what they are, we've decided we're going to embrace it and make it a positive thing. And as we do that, we're getting closer and closer to the end. Like I said in church today, I don't believe that we're in the end of, end of days. I believe we're in the end of hours. I don't think there's much time at all left because these things that seemed so foreign a hundred years ago to people, the immorality and the sorcery and, and it are just so commonplace now. And then it mentions the increase in thefts, cheating and stealing. It's almost become a, a sport for some people to, to steal and to cheat. It, it, we're to the point in my house, my house has been broken into by people we were trying to help before. They've taken TVs from me they've, and, and um, other things, cameras and things like that. And you know, we're to the point where we have to have cameras outside of our house now. Um, you know, why? Because we don't know who's going to try and steal from us next, whether it's a neighbor or whether it's somebody that we're trying to counsel and work with. Um, you just, you just never know. And there's even people out there that whenever, a lot of times whenever V and I go away or something, we let some people know, but we don't put things on, on Facebook that we're gone. Usually even on a mission trip, we go on a mission trip. We usually don't put much on there until we get back. Um, just because we don't want a lot of people knowing that we're not home. Um, unless we've got somebody else staying here. We do have some neighbors that keep a real close eye on our house and uh, seem to be doing a good job of, of doing that. But, um, you know, you just never know. You, you know. We're in that culture today where you can't trust your neighbor like you used to. I remember as a kid, um, I'd go up to upstate New York and upstate New York, everybody left their doors unlocked. If you wanted something from a neighbor's house, you walked over and you didn't knock. You just walked in and said, hello. And, and you know, somebody would say hello back. But today you do that, you're liable to get shot if you just walk into somebody's house. Um, but that was just the culture. The culture was so much different. 
and that wasn't that many years ago.